Are you an architect, designer, contractor, or engineer? Modeler.com is a platform connecting architects and other specifiers with building product manufacturers. Modeler.com's engaged network of over 240,000 architects, designers, and construction professionals use Modeler.com's tools to discover, discuss, and specify products appropriate for building projects. We at KZSU Stanford thank Modeler.com for the generous underwriting of production and broadcasting costs for The Modern Architect. Stanford University's FM radio station, broadcasting across the Bay Area on 90.1 FM and across the world at kzsu.org. From the campus of Stanford University, this is the Modern Architect radio show and podcast, hosted by architecture aficionado and principal of Accurate, Tom Dioro. Thank you, Darlene. For our guest today, please welcome David Sands, architect and co-founder of Bamboo Living. For more information feel free to visit BambooLiving.com. That's BambooLiving.com. Hello, David. We're thrilled and honored to have you on the Modern Architect Radio Show today. Thank you, Tom. It's wonderful to be here. Thank you, David. Can you share with us, David, some of your early inspirations for being an architect, doing what you do? If you, as far back as you can recall, like where do you, if was there a galvanizing moment or moments that Kind of, you can look back and see where you are now and where it may have actually begun. There really was. When I was about nine, maybe 10, is my family decided to have a house designed by an architect built. And so the it was a Gene Leedy from the Sarasota School. And it was, it was mid-century modern, made out of bridge parts, all prefabricated. Oh. The house was up in four days, so... But before that, when when Gene was working on the drawings, he showed me some 2D drawings of the building with the plan and an elevation and a section. And I drew a three-dimensional drawing of what the building was going to look like. At 9 or 10? I I could see it in my head. And uh, he said, yeah, that's exactly what it will be. And uh, maybe you should consider being an architect. (laughs) And you did, what, 9 or 10 years old? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we moved in when I was 12, so he was designing for a year or so. And then it, even though the building went up in a, you know, the, the superstructure mm-hmm. went up in four days, it took about a year, you know, to do all, finish the whole project from beginning to end. Yeah, so nine, at nine years old, and now you felt it as well. It wasn't just his uh, encouragement. Did you feel it kind of within you? That- yeah, it was just natural. It was. It was, I, it was. This is really fun. This is really interesting. You know, at that point, it was. I had always been interested in drawing and and uh, making things. So it really was a natural fit for me. Yeah. I was always doing, you know, science fair projects where I would you know, build a rocket ship to live on and, you know, going to Mars. <laughs> Did you like really? That. What was, yeah, oh. yeah. What would you need for the trip? You know, that sort of thing. What were your classmates, and, uh, if you can recall, with their response or even your, your teachers? Do you recall what they um, did? You know, I, I got really good encouragement early on. I think that was really helpful, to, both from my parents and from the teachers. It was, you know, it was really uh, very positive. 
and the you know and the science fair projects did well and all of that. So it was it was fun actually. It sounds <laughs> it sounds like it. Yeah. So so um, we're going to jump ahead and then we'll kind of move in the middle if sure. you don't mind. Is so how are you now co-founded the Bamboo Living? How how did that begin? Sure. So maybe almost thirty years ago, I designed a, a home for myself and working with my brother. And uh, was really interested in sustainability for as long as I can remember. Actually, my mom was on the governor's task force for the environment for the state of Florida back when I was in high school, I believe, maybe a little after that. But, you know, early on, I I remember building or designing uh, insignia for one of her environmental groups that she was putting together related to water quality in central Florida. Oh, and insignia, like her logo, the logo? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So 30 years ago, and and, uh, did you did you think this is what I want to get into, or you just evolved? Yeah. So what what happened was is I guess it was in the 70s that I went to school. So I I finished undergrad in 75. I squeezed you know four years of school until about five and a half because I did some you know out of the country studied in Taiwan for a while and. That was based on art and brush painting, but everything I studied, I was interested in. And I thought, you know, that is also found in architecture. So there was, you know, the mathematics was intriguing to me. The drawing was intriguing to me. The psychology of space and working with people and all of the different aspects of it just kind of was a natural fit for me. So in the early 80s, I finished my graduate degree uh, and, you know, master's degree and basically spent the next six years in an ashram, in a yoga ashram, where I really focused on my yoga studies and practice and meditation. But I was doing architecture as well. So I did a project. I had some student loans. So I had done some working with a friend who was uh, an architect and and, uh, just you know, progress to getting my license. So yeah, how would you feel, and, David? It, it, how much of architecture is spiritual? Oh, for me, it's it's definitely a significant piece of it. I I feel like that. I think it was Churchill who says we we shape our buildings and then our buildings shape yes, us. True. And, yeah. And yeah, and I I feel like that's so true. I really resonate with that. So my goal has been that that. Uh, whatever I'm working on, that it's inspiring people, you know, inspiring them to draw out the best of them, create an appreciation for, you know, the natural world and for beauty. And, uh, the, and again, intrigued with geometry. So there's that, those aspects of it. Intrigued with geometry, intrigued, not just interested in intrigued with geometry. (laughs) No, really? That's like, I've never heard that before. Well, there's there's this magical quality to numbers, you know, they're really just the, the, you know, the relationships are pretty phenomenal. You know, there's something that's just always intrigued me. And so, you know, I I considered going into mathematics in in undergraduate school. It was just, you know, it it was and continues to intrigue me. Yeah, it means that much to you. Now, how, how did you become involved with bamboo specifically? So I, this this house I I was building about thirty years ago I I can't remember the exact date but it 
close to 30 years ago. I was trying to be as sustainable as I could. It was completely off-grid, which was kind of unusual for those days. I had used a lot of recycled materials. One of the hotels, I was living on Maui at the time, and one of the hotels had remodeled, and they had 50 of these huge mahogany doors that they took out and were, you know, basically, I just bought them all and, you know, basically built a pavilion with, walls that all the doors were all the walls except for the sheer walls so they would slide out of the way and you were basically open air in the jungle and i just i love that and then the the piece with that was is that again uh, trying to be as sustainable as i could and yet when they delivered the lumber for the house it was really painful i just thought that's a you know a small forest going into the single home and i just felt like there's got to be something better. And, and then the friend that was helping me, I actually hammered nails and did uh, construction on the house. Nice. And the friend that was a, a builder is a general contractor on Maui. At the end of the project, you know, we both had the same feeling of like, what could we do that would be really significantly different to, in terms of uh, resource use? And the year that I was building it, I went to Bali and I met Linda Garland. Okay. That year she had had the, uh, I think the, the, yeah, the cover of Architectural Digest twice with her bamboo construction. Uh, one of them was her own home and another was a project I think in the South Pacific. And it was really, they were so beautiful. She was so gracious and I was inspired. And I felt like this is really something that could be really intriguing. And then I saw some, I hadn't met Simone yet, but I saw Simone Velez's work, 90 foot free span arches and 30 foot cantilevers and just felt like this is a phenomenal material. I got to get to know it. Really? And, uh, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so you did, was it rather seamless to get involved or were there some challenges? I, I, it was absolutely challenging and there was a seamlessness to it at the same time it, yeah, okay. i think you know uh, there were several times during the process where either jeffrey or i the friend that i started the company with would, one of us would hit a wall and it just basically you know we're crazy it's just insane <laughs> to be doing this did you t- tell yourself and, think uh, that in your mind or you actually expressed it to each other I, we did express it to each other, okay. but luckily the other one wasn't in the same, uh, <laughs> you know, headspace at the same time. So we managed yeah. to keep going. Yeah, but it, but it was challenging. It, it was really the one of the pieces. So the first building that we did, we got a permit through an ACI code for ferro cement. Okay. So the bamboo was basically the form work for the building. And that building, that's, it's 23 years old now, and it's still in perfect, near perfect condition. So that was all the, the bamboo superstructure for it. And then uh, what we did there is we had, Jeffrey had been to Linda's home and helped put on the World Bamboo Congress, which she hosted at her estate in Bali. What's it called? World the next Bamboo? Year after. The World Bamboo Congress? Uh, Yeah, the World Bamboo Congress. So every couple of years, I just got back from one in Mexico, in in Xalapa. It's a great group of people just inspired about bamboo and what it can be in the world. Some of the folks are involved in uh, horticulture aspects, some in in 
you know, commercial plantations and other folks and uses of bamboo. So it's a you know great group of people. I've been going to those since the. Uh, well, really, I, I didn't go to the first one in Bali because I had another commitment, but Jeffrey went, Jeffrey Trudeau, who I started the company with. Mm-hmm. And actually, he was trained as an architect. He trained at RPI, but always loved building things. So he ended up being coming a general contractor. So he had come back from her place with a connection for great structural bamboo and a friend of ours was willing to be the guinea pig client, you know, okay. <laughs> <laughs> the first one over the line. Did you have to convince them? Did you convince them? No, or, oh. she, no, she was, she was actually the friend I had traveled to Bali with the year before. And so I knew she was as inspired by Linda as I was. And so it wasn't really, you know, there wasn't any arm twisting. It was just, let's do this together. And, you know, so it was a, that's what got us going. Excellent. And then, then basically, Jeffrey and I did it as a weekend project where we, you know, would have our day jobs. And then, you know, the for the weekends, we built this uh, first bamboo structure. I love and, it. Um, this is great. We're going to touch back on it just when we return. You're listening to The Modern Architect, KZSU, Stanford, 90.1 FM. Stand Up to Cancer is an initiative of the Entertainment Industry Foundation dedicated to raising funds for breakthrough cancer research. This research enables scientists from different disciplines to collaborate on projects geared towards getting new, less toxic treatments to patients as quickly as possible. The money raised also supports innovative research that is often deemed too risky by conventional funding sources. If you'd like to learn more or contribute, go to StandUpToCancer.org. We're talking today with David Sands, architect and co-founder of Bamboo Living. For more information, feel free to visit BambooLiving.com. David, before I interrupted you for our station ID, you were sharing with your first experience with building a home and how, um, and it's still, what is it, 23 years ago, 25? It, it was 23 years okay. ago when we, it might have been 24 now. I keep saying 23 years, and at some point, I don't know exactly when that date was. <laughs> it changes. Yeah, that's great. Um, it's near perfect so, still. Yeah. <laughs> that's amazing. So, well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And it really is amazing. There's just so much. You have to excuse if I jump in so much because I'm really excited to talk to you. And sure. I just my, see the. My pleasure. Uh, yeah, the. the, the, yeah. the, the bamboo living is just um i've got a big vision for it but uh you're you're the one who's actually living it you know you're you're obviously experienced you experienced the challenges and the joy so what were some of the other challenges with it so so one of the biggest challenges was is there was no building code standard for bamboo oh, uh, wow. luckily on maui they had a what they call a board of code appeal and it was designed for sustainable materials that were not yet in the building code by working with structural engineers and by providing, uh, you know, testing, you could get approval for a one-off building permit. But Mm. that was, you know, it, it could take months and sometimes years to get through that process. You know, there were public hearings and test data had to be submitted and engineering reports and, so after doing that, you know, one project at a time for, you know, probably three or four years and realized that 
you know, this was, we need to, to take this to the next level. We needed a building code standard. And that was a big turning point for us. And we approached ICC, uh, the International Code Council that writes most of the building code used in the U.S. and began the process of developing what they call an evaluation services report. Okay. That process took us seven years from when we initiated it to when it was completed. And, you know, um, it was expensive and time-consuming and actually we were able to do it for say it was less than what would normally have to be spent because what happened was there's a bit of, of, you know, serendipity and kind of grace to the whole thing that, Hmm. that uh, there was a Dutch engineer professor who engineering professor who started an international committee through INBAR, the international network for bamboo and rattan that was developing an ISO standard for bamboo. And so what happened was, is I heard about it and I got myself and the vice president of ICC invited on to that committee. And that, because ICC needed to understand the material and this was an opportunity to work with engineers and the heads of standards organizations from around the world, some of which had you know, substantial experience with bamboo. So we we met in Costa Rica and in the Philippines and the series of meetings out of that, uh, the, the engineers on that committee developed a, a draft for ISO that addressed all the issues with bamboo needed to develop a building code standard in terms of uh, testing protocols, things to be aware of that were unique about the material. And what was amazing was is that became the basis for the, what they call, oh gosh, I can't think of the name of it right now, but it's the, the first step in developing an evaluation services report. It's the, basically the protocols of how you are going to approach the material, the unique qualities of the material, the, you know, things to understand about for engineering purposes. So it, it really leapfrogged us several years into the process by having that baseline report from the INBAR published, being able to use it with ICC. So it was a big deal for us. Oh, great move. I'm, I'm totally like, this is, that's badassness. I mean, really to be able to Thank do you. that. No, Thank it really you. is. It's, um, I know we, we're in the tech land here in uh, Palo Alto. However, I mean, what you, what you, you're describing is of the same, if not greater, because at some point you can be as tech as you want. You need to be in a building at some point. Well, thank you. Yeah, so that uh, beyond congratulations for that, especially I like, you know, it took you seven years, I think you said initially to... That's right, yeah. yeah, yeah. Seven years yeah. to get to that. So what are the, the, the properties, the advantages, if you share with your listeners, of wood and bamboo, uh, a little bit of the differences and the advantages of bamboo? Sure. So the it, the advantages of bamboo is the fastest growing woody plant on the planet. So in terms of pulling CO two out of the atmosphere, it is really you know one of the the fastest natural ways to do that. What's interesting is that bamboo in the wild though doesn't play that role, 
Uh, back in 2009, I was speaking at the World Bamboo Congress in Bangkok, and I w- was preparing a paper on using bamboo for carbon sequestration. And Walter Liste, a German uh, professor who's really uh, one of the top researchers in the world in terms of bamboo anatomy and just the, the study of bamboo, is a, much of his lifetime was devoted to that. And he submitted, sent around to the other speakers, a paper of why bamboo would not work for carbon sequestration. And I read it and I thought, okay, I just have to address each one of Walter's issues and I'll have a good strategy. So I I wrote that up, sent it back to Walter, and he said, yeah, that would work. Because really what he was looking at was bamboo in the wild. And bamboo, essentially... It's incredibly fast growing. So what happens is, you know, you hear the term bamboo shoots. Yes. What it does is it it sends up a shoot to the top of the forest canopy in usually in just two to three months. So it's growing uh, sometimes, you know, two or three feet a day, depending on the species. Two or three feet a day? Yeah, yeah. And so what happens is it's designed for that. It's basically, it has these nodes and then the tip of the bamboo. So it's growing at each one of those nodes. Basically, the the inner node expands. So you get this kind of, you know how the straws, when they're all mushed together? Yes. That little thing that they bend at the uh-huh. top, you pull them, yeah. and they, the thing <laughs> expands up. It's yeah. really kind of like that with the bamboo. It, okay. it gets tall really, really fast. And then once it's at the top of the canopy, then it can leaf out and it's got its, potential to compete for sunlight. So in the wild, basically the bamboo will fill out the canopy or whatever portion of the canopy it has with the other trees. And then it will hit a a homeostasis where it's just basically replacing itself. It's building mass in the rhizome mat. Uh, So it is sequestering some carbon, but not at the high levels when you get that you know, the shooting and the leafing out and the building of structure. So that was a big one for Walter. And then also that it needed to be used for, for long-lived materials. So it became a carbon storage system. And much most of bamboo's use at that point in time was for chopsticks and, um, yeah. you know, thing paper and things like that, where it was one-time uses and then it's composted. So what we were looking to do was to turn it into building buildings actually you know which would become the storage mechanisms for the carbon and then the other piece was that that's really significant about bamboo is it because it grows so fast is an acre of bamboo over the say the 40 year life cycle of planting trees letting the tree fully the trees fully grow and then harvesting it yes you'll get about 10 times of the material, the construction material off that site if you use bamboo instead. One so, acre? 10 uh, times versus wood? Yeah. Only one yeah, acre? Exactly. Will, oh, my goodness. It, and, and why that is is because every year you're getting a crop, and that crop is about a third to a, a fifth of the, the canopy. So you're allowing that forest to generate it its highest levels in terms of of, uh, sequestration. So the new bamboo shoots go up in three to five years, they're being harvested 
and you've got this cycle going. It's basically what happens with the trees is at the end of the 40 years, you cut the trees and you knock the carbon sequestration back down to near zero and you're planting seedlings and you're starting all over again. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. So with the bamboo, it's a grass. Uh, okay. And it's like mowing the lawn, you know, the, the plant itself <laughs> will live, you know, 80 to 100 years and you just keep cutting it every year. You know? I like it. It's, 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 it's a grass. It's, oh, oh, man. I can see yeah, why you fell in love with grass. it. It's a giant grass. It's a giant grass. Oh, my God. <laughs> how about how about like just the cost or the um, of if you if uh, if you're at liberty to share, say for a house that uses is going to use wood at say 2,500 square foot versus bamboo, the same amount of. Sure. So, so the scale that we're working okay, on right scale. now with my bamboo living company is that we're incredibly beautiful buildings, but we're not as cheap as two by fours and drywall. Okay. But we're, we've started a new company that's basically focused on, you know, being able to do that at scale because basically what, Bamboo Living does is it's really what I would call a trim tab. You know, it, it's oh, what, trim tab, um, buck full, uh, bucky yeah. full. Uh, yeah, yeah. No way, bucky fuller. Exactly. Yeah, you yeah, right. Yeah. I haven't heard that phrase yeah. in twenty years. Yeah, well, that's when I first came to Hawaii was to come. My brother was living in Hawaii, and his friend Jack Lewin had put on a. Uh, it was called the Spirit of Health, and it was looking at health as a global phenomenon. They're both doctors, but it was really about help at at community, the health of the planet. So his speakers included the uh, Bucky Fuller and the Caldecott. You know, there was just an incredible, oh, the fellow that wrote the permaculture books, just an incredible, you know, list of speakers. And it it was phenomenally inspiring to you know, be with them. And, and again, that Bucky Fuller's ideas, you know, the way that you, Ooh, I get choked up. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's amazing though. I mean, especially I, I totally got when you use the trim tab of like, I was blinded by the light literally like, yeah. no way you're going. You, oh, I totally get now where you're going with it, but I can't believe it's been this long since I actually heard the reference of a trim tab and, and to what it is that you're doing. And how you're making well, something you. that's you. significant and almost seemingly impossible to move. And now you're able to move it with much greater ease with that trim tab. Am I accurate or am I reaching? Exactly. It, that's exactly it. It's exactly it. Because what you've got is you've got a, you know, if you look at, at bamboo at scale, which is not yet, but that's what we're working on, is the value per acre, because you're looking at fiber, construction fiber, is... You know, it's a multiple, you know, an acre of woodland. And the value with it is, is you keep the sequestration level at that super high level. So, and, and the other piece of it is, is when you're, when you're using bamboo for your construction fiber, you are, because the bamboo grows so fast, you can get the same amount of fiber out of one tenth of the land area. You know, depending on the species, because there are some very fast growing trees that it's maybe, you know, three to four, uh, but the bamboo is three to four times the fastest growing tree. So it's still, you know, multiples. And with most of the construction lumber, it's an order of magnitude difference. 
So it ends up being, in terms of land use, just a huge, huge difference. So the interesting thing about that is, is you take the pressure off the forest and you end up keeping the older growth forest on on the stump, you know. So you have a forest instead of, you know, a, a clear cut. And that forest is, the forest over time, it continues to build the 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 rate of sequestration for a much, much longer time than what the cutting cycle of the trees is. So you don't lose the storage capacity in those uncut forests. And at the same time, you're, you know, pulling down the carbon at a super high rate with the bamboo. So the added value of the avoided deforestation plus the afforestation of the bamboo is this huge you know, order of magnitude. Wow. I mean, that's just incredible. We're going to go to a break here because I I can't wait to get back. This is the Modern Architect on KZSU, Stanford, 90.1 FM. Did you know that a study found an average of three pieces of trash along every foot of Bay Area streams leading into the Bay? The trash you drop on the street can end up in the San Francisco Bay or the ocean, where it can kill wildlife such as seals, seabirds, and turtles. Join with more than 50,000 Save the Bay supporters, advocates, and volunteers to protect our Bay and make it cleaner and healthier for people and wildlife. Please visit SaveSFBay.org. We're talking today with David Sands, architect and co-founder of Bamboo Living. And, uh, oh, Dave, this is just amazing. I mean, this is... I mean, this is earth-moving. How else, you know, how are you getting the word out there? I mean, I've, I've looked on your site. I've seen the homes that you've done with the, with the bamboo, and they're, they're beyond breathtaking. And I can't only imagine what they're like in life when you actually get there, you feel it, you smell it, you, you see it, and you get all the, you know, you, the acoustics are probably even much better than uh, any other type of home. I mean, that's a kind of a strange thing people like, what, what do you mean acoustics? But is there some truth to that, that the acoustics of the building util- utilizing bamboo are actually better? There is. You know, with a room with all hard surfaces, you, you get that kind of reverberation. And with the bamboo ceilings, you've got this you know three-dimensional shape to it, the multi-directional projection of sound. So you, it, it is a much softer space acoustically to be in. I, there was a piece that I wanted to, oh, I know what it was. So we were talking about the fiber volume difference. There's okay. another aspect of bamboo that's pretty phenomenal is the fiber quality itself is incredibly high. When we were testing the bamboo we use, on average, one square inch of the bamboo would hold up 7,000 pounds, 7,000, seven tons, 14,000 pounds on average on a square inch. So 14,000 PSI was the average <laughs> in our testing. You know, so that's pretty phenomenal. And, and the compression tests were, it's similar to concrete. So what you've got is you've not only got this phenomenally fast-growing material, but it has qualities similar to... Uh, concrete, you know, concrete It's got for, that strength. For compression. Yeah, concrete for compression and steel, you know, mild steel, because it's really... You know, the, the A36, which is what we use most, it's really, you know, less than half of that. But even being less than half of that, what happens is on a strength to weight ratio, 
the bamboo beats the steel because the steel is, is very heavy in the cross section and the bamboo is not. So on a strength to weight ratio, the, the bamboo's ahead of steel. And it's just, you know, the, the other thing, I was in Delhi at the IIT, okay. India Institute of Technology, that's what it was, yeah. So they were showing me, when in the U.S., when we were developing our building evaluation services report, mm-hmm. we tested to initial failure. What they were doing there was they were looking at performance after initial failure, because one of the tragedies of concrete and steel is after initial failure, initial failure is catastrophic. The steel becomes ductile and the concrete shatters. And so you, you know, you see that with earthquakes is a, you know, the, the buildings just collapse. Mm -hmm. What happened at IIT was they were looking at imposing loads after initial failure and the bamboo, what it would do is it would, it would lose some strength, but it would, it would hit these plateaus. So it would just keep dropping and plateauing and dropping and plateauing and dropping and plateauing. So they were looking at developing columns out of the material for high-rise structures that could be fire-protected, and then you've got this strength performance that's you know, beyond what you're getting with the concrete or steel combination in earthquakes. And, and the other one with the earthquake piece of it is, is because it's a lighter weight material, the inertial mass is reduced in terms of the actual structure itself. So it's a phenomenal material. I can say that. Oh, it's not, it and, seems like and, there's discoveries yeah. all the time with, with how beyond beneficial it is. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. And I, and I feel like it's just, you know, the, the use of it is just beginning. So, so you're asking how we're getting the word out and, you know, two things. There's one of them, is Bamboo Living is the company that I started to do the homes using the actual mm-hmm. round bamboo that we use the entire comb to create the structures. I started a new company, Bamboo Ecologic Corporation, that we're in the process of getting funding for that is designed to take bamboo to scale. So I'm very excited about that. Yeah. Uh, what we're doing for with Bamboo Living to get the word out there is is really we've gotten some attention now with the, the buildings that we've done. Last year, Angela, who works with me, she did uh, for herself a, a tiny home. It was almost the smallest structure you can get a dwelling permit for. HGTV picked it up and did a show out of it. It's called, uh, I think it's Tiny Paradise. It's like their third episode. So it's Angela building her home out of bamboo with us. And then just, I think uh, this last month, there was another HGTV show that (laughs) featured one of our cottages over at a resort near here. There's a uh, community that built some of these for resale to what they call their stewards program. So that was really neat. And then for one of the other shows, I'm, I'm the last two weeks they've been filming me building my own place. And I've been, you know, out there with a hard hat on, moving stuff around and oh, nice. <laughs> actually getting back in the construction side. So that's been really fun. Yeah. So, so you live on the island of Maui? I live on the, I, the big island now. The big I island. moved okay. over here about 10 years ago. The big island's about five times as big as Maui. So... 
for every project we were doing on Maui, we had several that were in the works over here and I kept flying back and forth. And <sighs> so eventually I just said, we need a, you know, a, at least a satellite office over here. And uh, I ended up kind of falling in love with this area where I am. And, oh, nice. Yeah. So that tipping yeah. point, the, do you envision, sense, experience that there is a tipping point where it's bamboo is, shall I say, go, go mainstream? I believe that is, and it's coming, you know, I, I feel like one of the things, this was, again, in the very beginning, talking with Linda Garland about a strategy for getting bamboo, exactly, getting bamboo to the mainstream, and she felt like it was really important that the perception of bamboo be changed, and that we get the standards in place. So, the perceptual piece with it is, is that in much of the world, if because the bamboo needs to be treated to create a longevity for it, and in indigenous cultures, there wasn't that opportunity to do that, that it had the stigma of the poor man's timber. It's if you couldn't afford wood or concrete or steel, you would build out of bamboo. And that's been a, a, you know, a tradition in the Philippines and Southeast Asia for generations. So, uh, and Indonesia where Linda was. So it was really important to change the perception of it is no, this is a really high quality building material if treated properly and designed with properly. That was the other piece that Simone Velez, uh, he always said is, is, uh, the natural bamboo buildings, bamboo in the round, they need uh, boots and a hat. <laughs> so yeah. the, the, Bamboo is an organic material and like wood, it doesn't like its feet being wet and it wants protection from, uh, you know, direct uh, exposure. So I, I designed for that. It's basically part of the, my design process with the bamboo. Yeah, it would sound, um, sound like it's a healthier home or a healthier building utilizing bamboo. Is Is it? Uh, yes, it is in the okay. sense that there's, there's a several aspects to that. One of them is is that you know being a natural material, and we're using only using mineral salts borates for treatment. So the the exposure of the bamboo on the interior is it's it's really beautiful. It's a you know water based no VOC finish we use, and so there's that aspect to it. The other one is the you know the the Basically, uh, your home becomes a carbon sink. So you're part of the solution. You know, by building a bamboo home, you're becoming part of the global climate solution. And then, and so it's a healthy for the planet. And then there's this, you know, I have it from my, back from my clients. And, and I, I, I know that's my own experience as well. Is there something really like deeply satisfying, uh, ease creating being in, in, uh, you know, these bamboo structures. Again, there's sort of a mystical quality to the bamboo in China. It's considered one of the four gentlemen. And it's when I was studying brush painting is you basically study bamboo first and it, all of all of uh, you know, Chinese brush painting grew out of the brush strokes that you learned in in painting bamboo. Oh, nice! And then the 
Isn't that, yeah. And then the other piece of it is it epitomizes the perfected human being. So it's this phenomenal strength and flexibility and this inner emptiness. So it's, it's really in terms of the, the, the Buddhist aspiration for self-realization, it's the, it, uh, it's, it's iconic to that. That's, oh, let's touch on this when we return. This is the modern architect, KZSU. 90.1 FM, Stanford. The youth movement against Alzheimer's promotes awareness and understanding of Alzheimer's disease by providing high school and college-aged students with opportunities for volunteering, clinical research, and fundraising, with the ultimate goal of spreading compassion and empathy for those afflicted with the disease and encouraging advocacy to do everything possible to ultimately find a cure. If you'd like to donate, visit theyouthmovement.org. We're talking today with David Sands, architect and co-founder of Bamboo Living and Bamboo Ecological. David, touch back, if you will, uh, see if I have this correct, epitomizes the perfected human being. Can you touch upon that? Or did I say it correctly? Sure, you did. You okay. really did. It's so Chinese iconography in terms of the, uh, you know, the original characters are these ideograms. And the, 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 the quality of the bamboo is that, you know, it has that phenomenal strength. It has rapid growth and it has the flexibility so it can weather storms. And yet the, the aspect of it, that's, it has this inner emptiness. And so what it is, is it's basically kind of the idealized column. So, so when you design Basically, here's here's one of the pieces. So structurally, when you're designing a column, is the what would I say? It's the 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 distance from the neutral axis is really significant in terms of the performance of the fiber. So what bamboo has done is it's put its highest quality fiber at the furthest distance from the neutral axis, where it puts the only fiber it puts there is the diaphragm at each of the nodes. So it's basically tying those fibers into a uh, bundle, but holding them at a distance from that neutral axis. So the, the quality of that, that inner emptiness is reflective of the, the Buddha nature, which is the quieting of the mind to the point where we recognize our true inner emptiness and the, the stillness that is really the source of all that is. Oh, that's outstanding. David, are there any projects that you're working on that you're at liberty to share with us recently? Sure. Yeah, there's one I'm really excited about. Uh, he's uh, been a fan and an uh, investor and a supporter of us for many, many years. Uh, ben Hall over on Maui, he has one of the downhill biking companies, and we're designing a headquarters for him that'll be built in Kula. We just finished the building permitting process for it, and it'll be our largest uh, bamboo structure so far. The, the main building is a two-story structure that's a 40-foot freestand arches and you know 80, uh, basically 100, just under 100, like 96 feet long in terms of the building size. So, so it's a, you know, for us, it's, it's, kind of our next step into doing larger structures. And we're really excited about that. And again, going into commercial work as well. Yeah. Is that a recent move into that commercial work? 
It is, it is. We just are wrapping up our first uh, multifamily project. It was a condominium in Kona that is uh, just being finished. Before that, everything had been residential that we had done. So that was a big deal for us to kind of step up to the next level. You know, my dream for this is really designing whole bamboo communities where we've, we've got the multi-use office, housing, you know, commercial space, retail, uh, that sort of thing. What intrigues me most is what life on earth could be like, you know, it's, it's the, you know, pursuing the ideal. And that's the, to me, the only thing that's worth pursuing. And for me, that's a, uh, you know, really a, a, what I would say an enlightened society that's really based on, uh, what would I say, love and caring and genuine support for one another and self-healing. You know, we, we all experience, you know, physical and emotional trauma in our lives and how we deal that and address that as a culture is significant. I, I felt like, a, you know, I, I lived in an ashram for eight years and it's a phenomenal thing to live in a place where you feel completely safe and that, that you know that everybody in that place has your back. So that was a really incredible experience for me. And I thought, you know, why not have that be the common experience in the world and looking at what it would take to get to that level in terms of designing communities. And again, that, that quote from Churchill you know, resonates with me in terms of creating the space that will support the deep healing of our society and culture to where we do feel safe with one another and, and safe to uh, express our fullest potential. So that's where I see the next steps is community planning, kind of doing that at a large scale. And it, and it entails, you know, wellness and self-development and a commitment to that. You know, it's, it's not easy to basically the things in our lives that don't work or what, what I would call self-preservation mechanisms that result out of uh, not getting our needs met as emotional needs as small children. So I'm, that's my bigger vision. That's just um, outstanding, I, David. That, you know what it takes? It's um, You've had to have a tremendous amount of internal self-reflection to be able to understand that level of fear and, and overcome, you know, whatever shortcomings you may have had personally to actually share your brightest self. I, I feel like I have, and, you know, and that's the thing that I look at and, and you, I say that, you know, our wounds become the, once they heal, they become the source for our ability to help others. Say yeah, that again. That, that was again awesome. Again. Please say that yeah. again. Our wounds become? When when we heal our wounds, they become the source of our ability to heal others. And and you see that in folks healing from addiction. You know, when they turn around and help the others behind them, those are the people that can hear them because they know that they've been through the same experiences. Yeah. And it's that level of, of you know, the, our wounds are, the, are what become the source of our compassion and the growth of our compassion is what's necessary for our own self-realization the, to the sense that we no longer, you, you can look at this and you see that, that the sense of self gets defined by, you know, my own personal needs 
And then the larger one is my family. The next one is my clan. The next one is my community. And the next one's my nation. And the next one is the world. And that, that that sense of self needs to grow to those larger levels to be able to have a society that actually encourages self-realization and the fullest expression. You know, I, I grew up in a small town in the South and my class was the first to be integrated. And, you know, when I see kind of the, the ingrained racism that comes from, uh, that gets built into a culture, it's so painful and it doesn't need to be that way. I mean, we are all phenomenal human beings and given the access to the resources and to the support for our own healing and our own self-development, you know, we have the potential of creating a society that works for everyone in it. And, uh, and I mean that at the deepest, fullest expression of that. So that's, that's, that's what excites me the most now is like, okay, well, what do I do to create that world? And, and, uh, you know, I feel like, again, the, the bamboo is another, it's a trim tab for a larger piece of a, you know, a social adjustment to where, you know, the, the making choices that are basically supporting the largest self, which is the, the fully realized self, which knows that it's no, that it's not separate from anyone else. So it's making choices for the good of everyone. Years ago, I was the guest of the prime minister of Bhutan and a phenomenal human being and just really a, a, you know, a phenomenal human being. He was the one that developed the concept of governing by the gross national happiness, making choices not for the highest financial good, but for the highest good of all of the people involved. He had a tremendous impact on me. Excellent. We can definitely tell. And you know what? You're having a tremendous impact on the uh, the beauty, the grace, and the, the strength of bamboo living. David, it's been an absolute honor and pleasure having you as our guest. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you, Tom, so much for having me here. I hope yes, you consider so coming back it. soon. I hope really do. We'd love to have you if you're open I, to it. I would love that, Tom. Thank, Thank you. you. You've been listening to The Modern Architect. I'm Tom Dioro. Our guest today has been David Sands, architect and co-founder of Bamboo Living and Bamboo Ecological. For more information, feel free to visit bamboo-living.com. That's bamboo-living.com. Join us again next time when we welcome another outstanding architect, engineer, influence, or civic leader committed to positive and sustainable cities, communities, and lives. The Modern Architect is recorded at Stanford University Studios in Palo Alto, California, and is a production of KZC Radio. Today, the recording engineer is Darlene Franklin, Chief Engineer Mark Lawrence, and we're all assisted by Akshay Jaggi. And the executive producer and host of The Modern Architect is Tom Dioro. If you wish to contact us at interviews at kzsu.stanford.edu. Again, that's interviews at kzsu.stanford.edu.
Are you an architect, designer, contractor, or engineer? Modeler.com is a platform connecting architects and other specifiers with building product manufacturers. Modeler.com's engaged network of over 240,000 architects, designers, and construction professionals use Modeler.com's tools to discover, discuss, and specify products appropriate for building projects. We at KZSU Stanford thank Modeler.com for the generous underwriting of production and broadcasting costs for The Modern Architect.